There we go. When you think of the word submission, what comes to mind? Maybe you're a WCW or a WWF wrestling fan. Notice I said wrestling, not wrestling. Wrestling's the real stuff. Boys play wrestling on TV and call it wrestling. Do you think of it as a submission hold, though, if that's your category? Somebody having to tap out because they're in such a painful, painful hold? Or maybe for you, submission's more real. Maybe you've grown up in an abusive situation and submissive it for you is being forced unwillingly to submit to somebody stronger and abusive. Maybe that's your understanding of submission. Or maybe you're somewhere in between and you, you think submission is outdated. It, it's an antiquated word, something that our culture has matured past. Something that we shouldn't even think about. What are your thoughts on it? What comes to mind as you wrestle with that term? More importantly, have you ever considered what the Bible actually says on the call to submit? Both to God and to one another. That's what we find as we open up Ephesians 5, beginning in verse 21 this morning. So if you have a Bible, I invite you to go ahead and turn to Ephesians 5. Uh, we'll be starting in verse 21 this morning. While you're turning there, just uh, uh, get a, us a running start, especially after uh, two weeks since we've last been in Ephesians. For the last two months, we've made our way through this book, this epistle, this letter to the church of Ephesus. As we have, we've seen that Paul has been laboring to teach the church of Ephesus. Remember who you are in Christ. This is your identity in him. You are a people dead in sin, but now you have been made alive in Jesus. In Christ, God has poured out every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places upon you. This is what is yours in Christ. Because you are united to Jesus by belief, all of these blessings are yours. That of adoption, that of being deemed the elect as his chosen people, that of, of being a people for himself that has a guaranteed inheritance because of the seal of the Holy Spirit. Now, the, this people is then being taught that it's made up of both Jews and Gentiles through their mutual faith in Jesus. And the people are no longer two, but now made one. And then Paul in chapter 3 goes on to say, this is a mystery that was hidden for the ages, but has now been made known for your sakes, so that you may be saved and rest in Jesus. And he prays for the people to know this. But then moving in chapter 4, working our way through where we're at now, and then we'll conclude next week in Ephesians 6, seeing that now here's what this means for your life. This is what it means to live this new identity out. Here's how you do it. It affects your walk, how you live your life. Though imperfectly, this is how you should normally be. This is how you should be doing life as a Christian because of your union with Jesus. But then last week, or two weeks ago, when we last were here in Ephesians 5, we began to see that this call to walk in newness called us to walk in love, in wisdom. It called us to be kind to one another, to love one another. And we actually began to pick that back up this morning. 
and this call to submit to one another. Now, before I read Ephesians 5.21 through 6.9, I want to give a preface. The temptation here as we read Ephesians 5.21 through 6.9 is to solely focus on those that are called to submit. But brothers and sisters, friends, I would like to strongly urge you Yes, be observant to those, and we're going to hit on those submissiveness. But more importantly, and also, make sure you see the ones who are being called to be submitted to. That there is action being prescribed upon them. Those who have authority are not to abuse it, but to show the same kind of submitting to others in loving those that are called to be under them. So keep that in mind as we read, and I hope to continue to draw that out in this text. So hear the word of the Lord from Ephesians 5, verses 21 through 6, 9. Submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body and is himself its savior. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish, In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ does the church, because we are members of his body. Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is profound, and I am saying that it refers to Christ and the church. However... Let each one of you love his wife as himself, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise, that it may go well with you, and that you may live long in the land. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Bondservants, Obey your earthly masters with fear and trembling, with a sincere heart, as you would Christ. Not by the way of eye service as people pleasers, but as bondservants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart. Rendering service with a good will as to the Lord and not to man. Knowing that whatever good anyone does, this he will receive back from the Lord, whether he is a bondservant or is free. Masters, do the same to them. And stop your threatening, knowing that he who is both their master and yours is in heaven, and that there is no partiality with him. A lot of talk of submissive, but what in the world are we to do with this text? Well, here's what I think the main idea of Ephesians 5.21 through 6.9 is, and, and trying to make that main idea, the main idea of this sermon, that's expositional preaching summed up. It's this. 
Part of being spirit-filled is a call to reorient our lives in a Christ-centered manner by submitting ourselves to one another, making us distinct from the world. Let me repeat that, and it's on the screen there. Part of being spirit-filled is a call to reorient our lives in a Christ-centered manner by submitting ourselves to one another, making us distinct from the world. We're going to unfold this in four points. Point number one, submission to one another. Point number two, submission and marriage. Point number three, submission and parenting. Point number four, submission and work. Let's look at part one, submission to one another. Now, I know we've just read Ephesians 5, 21 through 6, 9, but I want to take us back and read beginning in verse 18 of chapter 5. Hear the word of the Lord from Ephesians 5, 18 through 21 here. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. We focused on on three parts of what it means to be filled with the Spirit two weeks ago. That call to uh, sing or speak to one another with psalms and hymns and songs from the Spirit. We saw the worship of singing and making music from our hearts. The second part of that being filled. The third of giving thanks to the Lord in everything to the Lord our God in Christ. Those three are the first of four participles of what it means to be a spirit-filled people. The fourth is where we pick up this morning. A call to be submissive to one another. Now... I left off there, not by accident, but intentionally. Because while these four go together and what it means to be a spirit-filled people is all summed up in this, the first three are not elaborated on, at least not here in this text. But the fourth is. Ephesians 5.22 through 6.9 shows us three distinct relationships of family life Work in the home was included in family life. Believe it or not, everybody at one point would have probably been farmers or homesteaders and not business people going to a business. So work and family life and home life would have been interchangeable. That's why they're put together here. So these these three types of relationships within the home are helping us to further understand what does it mean to submit to one another. So that's why we picked this back up and separated it from the rest. But what does it mean then to submit to one another? Why why is this so important? I love how John Stott puts it. Why is this idea of submission so important? He says, it, being submissive, is one of the most evident characteristics that they, Christians, submit to one another. When we submit to one another within our home, within our life, to one another... It displays the gospel. It's evident not only to the family around us who sees every wart and flaw we have. 
It also shows the world watching. It displays the picture of the gospel in the most purest form, particularly that of the marriage, which we'll see coming up in point two. All of this displays this. But we need to understand something here about this submissiveness. Because the temptation is for us to throw this off. It, it's for us to think that we don't need this kind of submission of talk. The world around us continues, though, to press against it because you've got one category that says, no way am I being submissive, and another who abuses submissiveness. We need this in our worldview as Christians now more than ever. We need to understand what does it truly look like to be a submissive people to one another. It's not a begrudging submission, though. The submission of the Bible, it's not begrudging, but it's joyful. Submission in Christ is joyful. It's a joyful thing. Again, I, I encourage you as we read it to, to note Yes, there's calls to be submissive. There, there's a call for a wife to submit to her husband, for children to obey their parents, and for bondservants, slaves, workers to submit to their master. But I want us to quickly go through these before I unfold them in points 2 through 4. Look again at verse 25 of chapter 5. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Chapter 6, verse 4, Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Verse 9, Masters, do the same to them and stop your threatening, knowing that he who is both their master and yours is in heaven, and that there is no partiality with them. All of this is showing us that, yes, Wives and children and bond servants are to submit. Yes, that is biblical and right, and we're going to deal with that. But more importantly, this is a call particularly to those that are to lead, to lead well as Christ led, to make it joy-filled for those that submit. The church is the one being displayed as the wife, as the one who is to submit to the husband, which is Christ. Brothers and sisters, if we are living this Christian life out, our lives should flourish with this. And it should be so easy for us to submit because we know we're submitting as unto the Lord in these things. We're submitting knowing that the Lord is the sovereign king over all. That's the kind of submission. That's why it should be that of joy-filled. Because true and godly headship is not abusive. It does not insist on its own way getting its own power. It's not there for the glory of the one with the head. It's laboring to nurture and care for those under, just as the Christ labors for his bride, the church. Brothers and sisters, let us see the importance of this submission, because it displays Christ so evidently for the world. But with that, let's look at these three examples that I think unfold this for us this morning. Po point number two, submission in marriage. Again, look at verses 22 through 24. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its savior. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. Now, 
We need to deal with that first phrase. Wives, submit to your own husbands. For some reason, in some parts of Christianity, in some camps, maybe even in our own, there's this idea that all women are to submit to all men, and that is just flat out wrong. Women, your call is not to submit to every man in this church. You have two that you're called to submit to. First Peter 5 calls every church member, man and woman, to submit to those in authority, those that are leading and shepherding them. And they're called to submit to their own husbands. That's it. When we see this call to submit for wives, it is to their own husband, their particular husband. How? As to the Lord. This phrase calls wives not to base their submission based on the character of their husband. They are to submit as best as they can in all things to their husband as they do to the Lord. Part of living as a godly woman is to submit to your husband to the best of your ability. Now we're going to unfold a little bit of that, what that means in a moment. But I want us to see that part of godly living for a wife is to submit to our own husband in everything that's possible, that everything she can. That is part of living for her. But I want to pause here for a moment. We see that the wife is, is called as, uh, to submit to her husband as Christ because he's the head. He's the leader. He's the one with authority. Verse 24, now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything they do to their husbands. But before we can unpack this a little bit more, we need to look at the next group. We need to look at to what this authority should look like from the husbands to help in that submission. Verse 25 through 31. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her that he might sanctify her having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife... Uh, Sorry, he who loves his wife loves himself, for no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ does the church, because we are members of his body. Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. The headship that husbands are to have, that which their wives are supposed to be able to joyfully submit to, is a high calling. Man, this is not an easy calling. Some of us may have been tempted when we, we saw wives submit to your husband's like, I get my way today. The wife is finally going to hear, and she's going to have to learn what it means to submit, and I'm the head. This is arrogance, brothers. Because the reality is, this is a high calling on us. It's a humbling call upon us. Us as husbands are called to lead our wives and love them the way that Christ loved his church. How did Christ love his church? Well, it lays it out. Paul, is, this is a clear gospel picture here in Ephesians 5, 26 and following. How did Christ give himself up? He, he did so that he might sanctify her. 
cleansing her by the washing of water with the word. Christ shed his own blood so that it could cover our sins and wash them and make us whiter than snow. This is how Christ gave himself for the church. This is how he poured out and showed us his love. This is the Jesus that we are called to imitate men and how we love our wives. But it doesn't stop there. Notice how it says it's through with the word, through the gospel message. Jesus spoke the words, the truth of what it meant to come to him and follow him, to be his disciple. It's always through the word, the saving gospel ministry goes out. Brothers and sisters, yes, our lives are to display this gospel, but it's not the, the idea of use words when necessary is folly to the gospel. It's folly here in Ephesians 5. Notice how he washes with the word. With the word. Christ builds his church on the word. He's the word made flesh. He is the eternal word that is speaking through the pages of the scripture. It is always this how God builds his church. How he both saves initially and continues to save in our sanctification. And this is what Christ does. He doesn't stop at just saving us initially. Verse 27. So that he might present the church to himself in splendor without spot or wrinkle or any such thing that she might be holy and without blemish. This is, this is the journey of sanctification. If you were in Sunday school, we just looked at this as a slow process. This is what Christ is doing each week through the ordinary means of grace of the preaching of the word. I'm going to set aside what I had, where I was immediately planning on going for a moment. Central City Baptist Church, I want to challenge you right here. I know some of you are struggling with the resignation. What do we do next? I want to speak to you for just a moment from, from my heart here. And I think a right application here of this text. Maybe part of the reason of struggling is because you've forsaken the necessity and the focus of the word in ministry. You're about what events can we do? What is going to draw people without actually proclaiming Christ? Without actually telling them the gospel? Without actually making the word primary? Baptist, we have screwed a lot of things up as Baptists. We have screwed up a lot. Don't believe me, look at the news. It's constant, something scandal-wise going on in the SBC, falsifying uh, that of uh, education just this past week of the interim president of the EC. Constant screw-up. But have you ever noticed what's in the center of most Baptist churches? The pulpit, the podium. Why? It's not there just to put the pastor front and center. It's for the preaching of the word to be the center of the church. It's the word that builds the church up. The people up. It's a word that nurtures and admonishes us and calls us out. This word needs primary. So husbands, going back to the text, you want to labor and love your wife well? Encourage her in Bible reading. Encourage her in spending time in that word 
Making sure life is able to allow both of you to be in the Word. Read it together. It's through the Word Christ builds His church. But notice, again, this verse 28, going back to the text and getting back on track. Verse 28, In the same way husbands should love their wives as their own bodies, he who loves his wife loves himself. In the same way that Christ has loved the church is how we're called to love our wives. No, we can't save them. We will not save them. Christ did. But we can labor for their sanctification, for their good, for their spiritual nourishment as the head. We can labor to care for our wives and not just emotionally and spiritually, but physically we can labor to care for their actual whole good. Just as Christ has poured himself out for his bride, the church. And do you see what a high calling we're called to? We're called to leave father and mother and cling to our wives. They become one with us. You know, I don't know how many of you, uh, there, there was a season in my life where I loved to make much of working out. Why? I wanted to care for my physical body. But brothers and sisters, in that, we, we like to take care of our own, but are we realizing and, and shepherding and nurturing and caring for our wives as part of that same body? Brothers, this is the call we have as husbands, to love our wives as Christ loved the church, to nourish our wives and cherish our wives just as Christ does the church. So men, we have a high calling. We're called to lead. Maybe part of other issues in life is maybe men, we're not stepping up to this and seeing ourselves as the spiritual leaders. Men, I I want you to lean in carefully right here. How many of you are the spiritual leader in your home? How many of you are leading the way, though imperfectly, are leading the way spiritually? How many of you are the ones saying, we need to be present and serving in the church. We need to actually grow in holiness and godliness. We need to pursue Christ together more. And it starts with you and the example you set. Men, are you the ones spending time in the Word? Are you prioritizing that time? Are you leaving it to the women? Maybe the reason we struggle on submission in marriage is maybe men, we're slacking and not stepping up as we should. Let us pursue Christ and do better. But now we must return to the wives. This is a profound mystery. Look at verses 32, or uh, 30, yeah, verse 32. This mystery is profound, and I am saying that it refers to Christ and the church. The mystery of marriage is a profound mystery, and it, it is pointing to Jesus and the church. The husband is taking on the example of Christ, the church is taking on the example of the bride. This is what it's talking. But it goes back here to wives and husbands in verse 33. However, let each one of you love his wife as himself and let the wife see that she respects her husband. It should be easy for women, for wives to submit to their husbands, especially if it's one who's pursuing godliness. Again, though perfectly. We're going to fail along the way, men and women. Keep that in mind. But it should be easy for a godly woman to submit to a husband if he is following Christ. 
And if it's not, sister, I'm speaking now to you. It probably says more about your heart than your husband's. Because maybe the problem for you in submission isn't the fact that you say, want to say, I have a poor example as a husband. Maybe part of the problem is your own heart that you want to be in a control and be the boss. That is ungodly, sister. Humble yourselves and see what God has designed in creation, especially in that of marriage, and submit as best as you can. Now, that doesn't mean it's easy. It doesn't mean it's easy for every situation, especially if your husband isn't a godly man. If he's abusing that authority that he was given to nurture and cherish, maybe he's abusing it and destroying you. Maybe physical or emotional or sexual or whatever abuse is taking place. Sister, I want you to hear me out. For you, submission doesn't mean just keep on as is and you have to take it and like it. Submission for you in this is you obey God over that. Because God hates that kind of love and position. God does not use that. So go and report to police immediately if you're in that situation or you know someone who is. Bring authorities in. It is not wrong in going against scripture here. In a day and age where sexual predation and physical abuse happen so prominently, this needs stated. And we need to encourage our friends in these situations who are going through these things. But you should submit as best you can in every other area. You should submit to respecting him as the one who's supposed to lead. Even in calling the police or, and reporting on those things, you're submitting to him in the sec sense of you want him to see the wrong he is doing, the harm he is doing to his own soul. But sisters, in this situation, it's going to be hard. But submit where you can, as best as you can. Now, maybe you're somewhere far in between these two extremes. Maybe you're uh, uh, a believing wife with an unbelieving husband. You need to hear this call on your own life. You need to submit to your husband as best you can, even as an unbeliever. But don't let it stop you from doing the things that God also calls us to as Christians. The assembling of ourselves together. An unbelieving husband, submission to an unbelieving husband doesn't trump submitting to God when he calls his people together regularly. When he calls his people to serve, don't let your understanding of submission drive you. Let the Bible help you have wisdom to navigate these areas of what that submission looks like. Sometimes it's tricky, and that's where you ask for help from one another. But submit as best as you can. Brothers and sisters, this is what a godly marriage is meant to picture. This submission and love and care for one another. This nurturing and laboring. But we need to keep something in mind here. Husbands, your wives are called to submit. And they're going to try and they're going to do it imperfectly. We need to be patient and gracious along the way. Sisters, your husband, if he's laboring to pursue Christ, laboring to try his best to lead well, give him some grace along the way because he's going to stumble. He's not going to do it perfect. This is how we labor to submit to one another in that of marriage. 
But it's not the only way we're called to submit. Children and parents are called to submit. That's where we turn in our third point, submission in children, which I promise is much shorter. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. The call to honor father and mother is nothing new. This is foundational in the Old Testament under the Ten Commandments. It's the fifth commandment. I love the Heidelberg Catechism. In question 104, it says, What is God's will for you in the fifth commandment? Answer. Think of double double jeopardy. Answer. That I show honor, love, and faithfulness to my father and mother and all those in authority over me. Submit myself with proper obedience to all their good teaching and discipline. And also that I be patient with their failings. For by their hand, God wills to rule us. Such a fitting picture of the call to submit as children. Children are to obey mom and dad. This is what shows that they have understood God's instruction and are understanding God's grace. That God has placed mom and dad in authority of them. Children who obey mom and dad are displaying evidences of God's grace in their life. Now, a child who is disobedient and professes to be a Christian, not they mess up. Disobedient, constant. I question whether they have understood God's gospel message in Jesus. Because obedience is part of their discipleship as a child, as a teenager, to obey mom and dad. Again, imperfectly, but the natural walk should be that obedience. You see, this matters. This obedience matters. But on the flip side, we see it also speaks to fathers particularly. Moms, this can apply to you too, whether young or older children. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. And again, this calling speaks mostly to us. A calling to what it means here to lead our families, not only our wives, but our children in the instruction and discipline of the Lord our God. We are to lead them in the ways of Christ. We are to set the example. Yes, our children should obey. I'm not preaching just to you here. This is a reminder for me as a dad, especially with young kids. Our natural tendency here is we just want our children to obey. We want them to obey no matter what. And we're quick to sometimes lose our temper. We're quick to be short with our children. But we need to labor for their heart, to shepherd their hearts in this instruction, to teach them with patience and truth. Be a father is to not provoke our children to anger as we discipline them and instruct them in the ways of God. We're to do it with patience and gentleness. And again, we are going to screw up along the way. Parents, we need to be patient with our children in this, that knowing that they are going to struggle with it. And children, especially if mine come back to listen to this at a later date, Be patient with mom and dad because we're going to do it imperfectly. 
We're going to do this imperfectly. So be patient with us. Give us grace along the way. And hopefully we do the same. We see a third and final example of submission in the home life. That of submission and work. Look at Ephesians 6, 5 through 8. Bond servants, obey your earthly masters with fear and trembling, with a sincere heart as you would Christ, not by the way of eye services, people pleasers, but as bond servants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart, rendering service with a good will as to the Lord and not to man, knowing that whatever good anyone does, this he will receive back from the Lord, whether he is a bond servant or is free. Bond servants, slaves, workers, however you want to translate this, it's all referring to the same. They are to submit with fear, with trembling, with reverent awe to their bosses. Recognizing that their bosses, those over them, have God-given authority. They're to submit to it. Not just when they're looking. Good employees do what they're supposed to do when boss isn't looking. They're not men-pleasers simply trying to gain the next promotion. They do their work well because they do it unto the Lord. This is what God being a good Christian worker is all about. Doing everything with excellence. Striving to glorify our God in heaven. Brothers and sisters, will you strive for this kind of work? And it doesn't matter what kind of boss you have. You are to strive to labor, to submit to them, no matter what, as best as you can. Again, we live in a world that abuses authority and power and tries to shame. Again, if there's an abusive situation, just beware of that. That your submission here isn't the same call here. You're, you're not to be just submit and take whatever abuse and uh, hatefulness. Because remember what is given there in verse 9. Masters, do the same to them and stop your threatening. Knowing that he who is both their master and yours is in heaven. That there is no partiality with him. Masters are not to sit there and threaten their employees. So... Submission isn't a call to sit in there and just take the threats that if you don't do this, you're going to be fired. Do what you're called to scripturally. Obey that. But as best as you can, submit to those over you. Recognize the authority that God has given them in their position and labor to glorify God in all that you do. But again, Christian masters, workers, or owners are addressed here. Verse 9, masters, do the same to them and stop your threatening, knowing that he who is both their master and yours is in heaven and that there is no partiality with him. Masters, owners, business leaders are to care for those under them. They're to rule and to lead well. They're to do so honoring Christ in all that they do. Treating their workers under them with dignity and respect because they too are fellow image bearers of a holy God. Brothers and sisters, do we see the ways that submission biblically works? It's a check on both. It's a check on husbands and wives. It's a check on parents and children, on masters and bondservants. To all submit to one another as we follow Christ. 
Our call to this submission, to this type of leading, is in awe of who Jesus is. To see Jesus, who he is, and out of reverence for him. Look back at 21 of chapter 5. Submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Brothers and sisters, we submit to one another because of who Jesus is. If we truly love Jesus, if we truly are in awe of who he is, then let us strive to live in such submission to one another, laboring to cherish, to nourish one another, especially in the life of our homes, because this pictures the gospel. It's a display of the gospel. Husbands and wives, when you love your each other this way, with this kind of submission and good authority, it's a beautiful picture to your children who are watching. It's a beautiful picture to the couple who's sitting next to you or that engaged couple. It's a beautiful picture to the single person as they watch you love one another and respect one another this way. As you parent, it's a, a display of God's grace and the gospel as you show grace to your children even when they don't deserve it. And in the workplace, it's a picture of recognizing that God has given authority to certain ones and that we want to please our God and submit to him more than anything else. All of these display the gospel. Let us go and do likewise and tell others about this gospel. Let's pray. Heavenly Father.